We're back. This is Mac on the Rock. I'm waiting for Adam Levinson to give me a call for the Statues and Stories Hour. We're going to talk about the movie that's about to be produced. It's been in the can this whole time since Hamilton hit Broadway. And they filmed it from different angles. And Adam's going to talk to us about uh, Disney Plus coming out. Since they can't produce music and can't produce, uh, sorry, musicals and new movies and new cartoons because of coronavirus, they've taken this can out. I guess they started editing with stuff they already had filmed. And they're going to talk to us about the movie. And uh, Adam knows that the movie's going to be special. And guess what? You and I, I... I get to see Lynn Miranda, who was the original star and screenwriter, and they're going to hear all about it. Lynn Lynn Miranda is someone I'm very fond of, this Puerto Rican who came out of nowhere to become a screenwriter extraordinaire. So let's get to Adam. Adam, how are you? This is Mac on the Rock for the Statues and Stories are, and I believe that my sidekick is hiding in the background. He's no longer... And this is Mr. Marvelous Ed Victorious Vidal. How are you, sir? Great. How are you doing? I really don't know. Um, oh, okay. Did you have a good call this afternoon? Yeah, I had uh, a gentleman who uh, came up with this idea that apparently is uh, my idea, but he stole it from me because he's a yep. doctor and I'm a layman. But the price list, bringing down the prices of health care, he has, he has a medical center with 120 different doctors doing operations there. He's an anesthesiologist himself in Oklahoma, okay. <laughs> and he posts all his prices for every single procedure wow. on, online, and he says that that's the only way he can he can give competitive prices. So anyway, let's talk about Hamilton and Lynn Miranda. You know that I'm very fond of Lynn Miranda, Adam. Um, I was in love with his program, uh, his his first play, which is, was like a semi-rap about life in the Washington Heights for... Dominican immigrants, Puerto Rican immigrants, Cuban immigrants, and uh, the story is based around, um, you know, it's called In the Heights, and he became, I think that's how he got on the map. His fame came from being in the height, uh, producing and being the screenwriter of In the Heights, and um, he had this this, uh, song that was absolutely mind-boggling, and when I heard it for the first time, um, you know, I'm always against... My daughter's music and my son's music, I think all that music sucks. But this had like a certain rap to it. And uh, it's a song that just blew me away. And Lynn Miranda sings in it. The, 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 the actresses sing in it. And since they're the actual actors that were part of the first cast, I'm really looking forward. I think I'm going to play the song. Uh, I'm going to cut you off in the middle. And we're going to play like four minutes of this song called uh, 96,000, uh, uh, the story's based on when someone in this neighborhood in Washington Heights wins oh, yeah. a, lo- a lottery ticket for 96,000, how would you spend it? And, it, you know, they sing the in the lyrics all the different dreams that they have. So I'll play it later on in the show, but I think it's really awesome that, that uh, you know, Hamilton's going to have a movie now. Tell us a little bit about it. Okay, so let's take a step back for a moment, and it looks like you're part of the Lin-Manuel fan club. Oh, I, I'm uh, uh, even though he's an anti-Trumper, I forgive him because he's brilliant. All right, so taking a step back, this is a little bit of uh, the background for everybody. So there's a holiday which is coming up in a couple of days, July 4th. 
right? And uh, I would have normally done a July 4th presentation. And uh, as it turns out, because, and, and the, here's more of the backstory, the Hamilton musical, which we'll be talking about in great detail tonight, and I'm, I'm reminding our viewers and everyone listening that normally we talk about history, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about a musical, and at the same time we're talking about a musical, we're going to be talking about history. So uh, this is a Well, you know that uh, for the audience to realize, uh, we started our relationship together, you and I, with Statues and Stories, with Ed Vidal, live in the studio, talking about Hamilton, the play, and the three of us uh, saw the play together, I believe. Yeah, we started our programming with the play. Now we're uh, we're doing it again. Yep. So last year it came to Broward, and then it came to Miami. So the, the little bit more of the background, and we're going to build this up for everybody, is that uh, you know originally the movie, which is what we're talking about now, they've converted the Hamilton musical. They filmed it, and it's going to be available on July 3rd. So the day before July 4th, it's going to be on Disney Plus. So we're going to talk about if you're a Disney Plus viewer, what you're going to be able to watch. And if you're not a Disney Plus subscriber, here I'm going to throw out to you, you want to take a wild guess how much it is to sign up for, for a single month, or you could do it for a year. So you want to know how much it is for Disney Plus? I'm sure they're going to price. One month, it's free for one month. So that's, that may be true. I'm not sure if they're doing a promotion, but normally it's $6.99 per month or $69.99, so 70 bucks per year. And when we talk about the cost of Hamilton to see the the, you know, the play, the, the Broadway show, there you're talking about hundreds of dollars depending upon where you're seating, sometimes thousands of dollars depending on what night and the location. So, you know, a single month or a year, by the way, of Disney Plus easily pays for the, the cost of the Broadway ticket. So, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity. And I think it also makes sense at the end of the hour to talk about maybe some of Disney's thinking behind why they decided to do it this way. Um, and we can also talk about some of the other programs on Disney Plus that I like. And, and it's interesting when we talk about Disney and we talk about Miranda, Lin-Manuel Miranda, because there are some connections there. So we'll also talk about that. So Well, there is a connection between him and I because we both are Manuel. Ha, ha, ha. There you go. I love it. So these are some of the topics we'll be talking about. We're going to talk about the cast. We're going to talk about some of the awards that this play has received. Of course, we'll start with the story and uh, some of the excitement, and you're already capturing some of that excitement, Manny. And there's an interesting story also about how they film this and uh, what you're going to get to see in terms of the production and uh, all, all the credits and what goes on behind the scenes. So today is the musical theater edition. And uh, let me also point out, uh, because, Ed, you're from Chicago. So yep. a little bit of, you know, everybody knows Broadway, which is around 42nd Street area in Midtown Manhattan, is where all the, you know, the Broadway shows are. And Broadway, of course, is the street in Broadway, which runs, you know, from north to south across Manhattan. In this area in the 30s and 40s is where you have, I can't even venture a guess, we're probably at scores of, yep. of, of, of theaters. But in addition to Broadway in New York City, you also have a mini Broadway in Chicago and Los Angeles. And you guys know what they call it in, in London, what, what they call their Broadway? West End? The West End. So here's the point. So, and that's exactly right. So the West End, they don't call it Broadway, they call it the West End. So, um, you know, in these major theater production locations uh, in the United States that we mentioned, there's now a Hamilton production, not just in New York, and everything slowed down and has temporarily well, stopped. They're, they're, they're closed through the end of the year. I think you're right, or who knows how, how long they're going to be no, closed. No, they, they announced it, yeah. 
Okay, there you go. So for the rest of the year. So New York Broadway has been closed, but there was also a Hamilton until everything shut down in Chicago. And they also have two traveling Hamiltons. So they've got the off-Broadway version that travels. There's one in London, which is the West End. So just to give you some idea of the excitement behind and how, how this show took off, you know, people know of Cats, and they know some of those Broadway productions, you know, go on for years. But for Hamilton to have now been playing in so many locations, two separate off-Broadways, plus Chicago, plus plus New York, and then I think there's also one coming to Australia before COVID. Mm-hmm. So this, it's, it's been a phenomenon, a phenomenon. So I think people hopefully will appreciate tonight once we get into some of the details. And Manny was kicking it off with you know, how he loves Lin-Manuel Miranda. So let me talk a little bit about him. Well, you should, have you guys ever seen the video of his wedding, what he did for his bride? I did not see it. Oh, my God. Guys, got to go to YouTube. And I asked the audience to do this to understand the magic of this this person, Lynn. He did, a, a, I guess, an In the Heights uh, with uh, the bridesmaids, the, you know, his wedding court, uh, people who had gone to the party. They all had practiced a skit uh, that breaks out when his wife and he come in from the, you know, from the church. And they break out into a, a Broadway drama right there in the reception. It was mind-boggling. People came out of everywhere, and they did a tremendous skit. It's really impressive to watch on YouTube. Well, anyway, and continue. There are, there are multiple Lin Manuel videos, so um, if you, you, you got to find his wedding. You got to Google or search on YouTube Lin Miranda's wedding, and you're going to be blown what he did for his uh, his bride. And she, of course, either she practiced it. And acted stunned, or she didn't practice it, and she really was stunned. I think they all were in it, to, you know, in it together. Maybe next year, uh, if this shutdown has uh, ended, Katrina and I will be celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary. We'll have a recommitment ceremony. Oh yeah! So we'll you and I, you're going to take me to practice, and we're going to practice how to dance. I'm going to see you dance. No way. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Imagine well, tuxedo you, with a Texas Hamilton, buckle. Again, more background. So um, a little bit about Lin-Manuel Miranda. So he's a theater kid who grew up around Broadway, and that's what he studied. And, you know, he basically was out there memorizing Broadway productions and understanding the whole story about Broadway works. And what he has accomplished with this musical is he brings together um, their different kinds of music, musical genres. So he's got rap in Hamilton. Some of the songs are rap songs, right? But they're teaching history with these rap songs, and maybe we'll talk about some of them. You also have some some of the songs are reminiscent of what they refer to as, you know, English invasion um, music, the Beatles kind of melodies from the 1960s, right? So 1960s English kind of rock and roll. He also has, um, you know, R&B songs. So there's a song about the three Skylar sisters, and who are the Skylar sisters? So the Schuylers and Hamilton marries one of the Schuyler sisters. He marries Eliza or Elizabeth Hamilton. So it's a song with a very diverse cast, which we'll talk about. So you've got R&B music. You also have traditional Broadway kind of songs. So he brings together all these different genres with musicians, some of whom were independently talented rappers or independently talented you know, vocalists. So what you have for this show, that's, that's the music. But it's also, when we talk about musicals, it's a sung through musical. Let me ask if any of you guys want to take a guess. What is a sung through musical? Sung through musical? My yeah. God. Uh, uh, geez, uh, I, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> um, right, so I get the script, the script and the song are together. The lyrics and the scripts are mixed. Exactly. There, there is no 
separate dialogue. The entire program is song. It's song. Okay, it's yeah. song. It's all song and dance. The entire musical. So in some musicals, they 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 have uh, dialogue and then they break into song. But here, I think it's here it's constantly uh, some kind. Yeah, of I guess because of the rap. Uh, yeah, it, it allows for that. So yeah. there is very little, if any, separate dialogue. It's all just song. So take a guess. Uh, how, how many songs do you have in this particular musical, the Hamilton musical? Well, since I saw it, probably... Beginning to end. I would 20. say 20, yeah, 20, 25. Okay, so I, sh I should find the exact number, but it's over 40. I think it's 43 wow. songs. Oh, my okay, God. 46, 46 songs. All right, so then when you, you know, convert that into a movie, which we'll talk about, um, you know, if it's a musical, what do you have halfway through a musical? You have intermission. So the movie is also going to have an intermission. So um, I think I probably should have started off by saying that, you know, there are different ways you can listen to us. You can listen to So it, what is Disney going to do? Just make you listen to commercials during the inter intermission? <laughs> so they have intermission. I'm not sure what happens. It's probably for people to get up and go to the bathroom. Just bring your own popcorn for that, man. Jeez. Well, in England, they have a very lively uh, theater culture. And you go to the, these theaters, like, for example, we went to Salisbury, and everybody would order their interval drink. And when they came out from the intervals, the bar would have mixed their drink and had their name on it. Wow, that's pretty cool. In the, during the interval. Wow, so what, you would yeah. go to the bar and your drink would already be you made? be ready, yeah, it'd be ready for you for the interval. Oh, that's brilliant. You order it before you went in. Absolutely, man. That's service, baby. What's up? Yep. Yeah, London, I, I went to London, I was flabbergasted. I, I thought it was one incredible city. Very cool. Yep. So what, what's going on with the musical is that you're going to get to see in this movie, the movie version, I like to say you're going to get the best seat in the house. So let's talk about why I'm so excited and so many people across the country are excited. So the background was, more background, was originally scheduled to be released, the movie, in October of 2021. So why is it coming out now? And the answer is Disney struck a deal with Winman Miranda not to do it earlier because Disney on Disney+, Plus, which is a fairly new platform, when it was running out of it, it was difficult to film stuff. So they figured that this is a good opportunity because it's the story of independence and all kinds of good reasons. So it was released over a year early. Uh, so that's all good news for us. And now all these you know, legions of musical theater fans who have been wanting to see it, who couldn't afford it or couldn't get, not, didn't have an opportunity to get a ticket, now are going to get to see it. And I will tell you, there are all kinds of kids around the country who memorized you know, some of the, the lyrics to the songs. Because the song, yeah, the girl that I uh, took to the, so uh, to the musical, point of fact, I took, uh, actually I didn't, quite frankly, I stand correct. Let's give credit where it's due. My son took us all out uh, for some. Me, my daughter, her best friend, and him, and her name was Mika, and I shout out to Mika because she sang all the songs. She had them all memorized, Every all 40 of those songs. She could sing them. <laughs> In so incredible. Does this mean that we can look forward to a Hamilton ride at Disney World? <laughs> you know what? That's a very that's a very good uh, conclusion. You have the Hall of Presidents, but yeah, well, you can have, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that was part of some of the reasoning by why, sure. why Disney wanted to do it. Actually, yep. it's just I'm going to throw out some details for you. So um, again, we said it's a song through or a song through S U N G song through musical, right? So there's no dialogue, and it opened in Off Broadway in February of 2015, and then by the time in, in Off. 
bonds at Broadway. So uh, with only in, with only in a couple months, from February when it opened off Broadway, it was then able to move to Broadway in July of 2015, and since then it's taken off, and they sell out basically every day. But that cast album, so when they recorded the songs, the 46 songs, and it's two separate CDs, that still to this day, from what I understand, is on the Billboard 200 chart for 250 weeks. That's why so many kids are familiar with those songs. They learn it in school, and uh, because it's, again, so many different genres, you know, it's fun for the kids to rap the songs. In fact, there's more trivia. The fastest, when you look at the number of words and the speed of the song, the fastest Broadway song is one of the rap songs called Guns and Ships, which is a rap between Lafayette and, uh, and Washington is in that rap also. So, um, so long story short, you know, when you hear kids rattling through and you have to pay close attention because some of the words are so fast, and it's not just saying words. There's obviously cadence, and there's, uh, there's a lot of learning that's taking place. But uh, so all different kind of genres, and that's the cast album, 250 Weeks on the Charts, right? Uh, what else can I tell you? It won in 2016 the musical, the Pulitzer Prize in Drama, it also won the Tony for the Best Musical. And let's see, let's talk about the story now. So listeners of this show, and I always like to point out that you can listen to us live if you're doing that now. You can go to the, the website for WSQF and you can do the podcasts, or you can go to my website, which is statutesandstories.com, and I've got, I think, over a dozen separate blogs all about Hamilton content. So there's all kinds of good stuff you can read about Hamilton. So people have a good idea who Hamilton is. And the first song in the musical is sort of an introduction to what's going to happen. So you get to meet the characters in the first introductory song. And the Lin-Manuel refers to Alexander Hamilton as the $10 founded father. Why is that? Because he's on the $10 bill. So people may know him from the $10 bill before the musical. Now everyone knows the musical. right? So the opening song introduces the characters. And what's interesting is that in a way, the narrator, although he doesn't narrate it, but the, the character and the theme that runs through the musical is Aaron Burr. And Aaron Burr, at the very beginning, announces in that introductory song and tells you what happens, because it really was no secret. You know, a lot of people who know the history know how Hamilton you know, dies, the tragic death of Hamilton. So, so uh, what's the story is that in that introductory song, you have uh, Wesley Odom, who plays... You know, Hamilton's nemesis, and they weren't always enemies. There were times that they got along very well. But, uh, you know, there's no secret what's going to happen at the end, so he doesn't disguise that. So what else can I tell you? So let's see. This is a story about the rise and the fall of Alexander Hamilton, who was a founding father. It, it portrays and features his immigrant roots, his quest to, uh, to get status on the battlefield, also helping form the United States government. And we've spent hours, gentlemen, talking about the success of Washington and Hamilton and that initial team and what they did to build the country together with the Constitution in 1789 and all that good stuff, right? But this is told from the perspective of Hamilton's rival, which is Aaron Burr. And you mentioned when Lin-Manuel got married, so here's a little bit off the, off the, the beaten path, Manny. So he had originally done In the Heights, but In the Heights was coming to an end. It wasn't making enough, although you loved it. You know, there aren't enough people going to see In the Heights. So yeah, because there's not enough brown people in New York, huh? They can afford yeah, 250 bucks. Yeah, Broadway has to diversify its, uh, its people who are going to go and who are going to appreciate it. That's right. Only so, white people can pay 250 bucks a seat. Not enough brown people. So let's start a Brown Lives Matter movement. Come on, man. Yeah, there we go. Look, look at Vidal. He pretends like he's not brown. He said he's, he said he's Caucasian. Yeah. I pass for white most of the time. <laughs> I pass for absolutely brown every single time. <laughs> anticipating that his production was going to get cut because they weren't selling enough tickets and that's the, you know, the brutal math behind Broadway. 
he's going on his honeymoon with his wife, and uh, there's a famous picture of him sitting on a cot, you know, with uh, a hammock between two palm trees, and or right around the pool, and sit on his uh, on his honeymoon. And he realized that it was only a matter of time before Animal Heights gets canceled, uh, and he wanted something to read, so he wanted a biography, and he just happened to have picked up the Chernow biography, which is what the musical is based on, the 2004 biography, and the name of the book is called Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow, the historian. Which is, a, which is the person that you uh, uh, allude to often when you talk about Hamilton. Right. You know, every night when we do the show, I always have a couple books handy. So Ron Chernow writes this biography, and it is a thick, big biography. I don't recommend it to everybody unless you really want to you know, dig into the details, but it's a wonderful story. So according to Lynn Manuel, who's been, you know, what's the expression? He's been interviewed countless times. He describes how, you know, he didn't get very far into the book. He's basically in chapter one in the introduction, and he realizes the story of this kid who comes from nowhere, who is an orphan, who winds up leading a country and becoming, as an immigrant, the, you know, the, one of the most powerful members of that generation. He realizes that this is a story which needs to be told, and because of you know he's an immigrant himself, and he thinks the way you tell the story is similar to the way he did it with In the Heights, which is with a combination of different musical you know, songs and different the songs that dance, but also different kinds of music, and, and the the hip hop, which is also I should have mentioned, hip hop is another musical genre that's used, but the ability to tell the story through rap and hip hop is part of what brings Hamilton to life. So. The film was shot over just three days in June of 2016, so they've held on to it since June of 2016. And I'm going to ask you to take a wild guess how many microphones they installed in the Richard Rogers Theater. And I know, Ed, you're from New York, and you're, at least you're familiar with New York. Are you familiar with the Richard Rogers Theater, where it is in Broadway? Not exactly, but they filmed it. Uh, they filmed the, the film is a, a filming of the play. Yes. Correct. So from different. Uh, from, I thought it was a movie. No, that's what I. That's what I said. Yeah, I came to the same conclusion too. We were we're both wrong. We get to see the play from behind the scenes, you uh, know, from the very, from the rear of the actors, the dancers. That's a prominent theater. Right. That's not exactly where it is. I don't know. Twenty-five cameras. So it is near one of my favorite restaurants off Broadway. When I say off Broadway, you know, it's right right by the What's street that? Broadway. McDonald's. So, I said there are several good restaurants because when people go to see a show, then they go get dinner, right? But uh, there's, a, there's a good deli right near the Richard Rogers. Oh, theater. Carnegie Deli. So Carnegie is in a different section of, of New York City. It's the only one I know. That's why I said it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there are lots of good delis. But uh, so here the question is how many, take a crazy guess of how many cameras and how many uh, you know microphones did they set, set up. And the quick answer is that, let me give it to you, it's 161 minutes is how long the, the, the movie is. And the movie oh, is so it goes over two hours. It's, it's 161 minutes, right? Wow. So it has all the songs, all the scenes, with an intermission from the production. And right. Lynn manuel did not sell Disney the rights to make a movie. If they want to make a movie, he has to give them permission and they have to yeah, pay So yeah. all he gave them was the rights to show this, you know, theater the production. Film the production, right. The filming right. the production. Yeah, wow. So... So it was two days of filming with a live audience, and then they also did a third day where they did the close-ups and different camera angles. So let me give you the specifics here. So the specifics are, and I think I have it nearby here somewhere, but um, let's see, it was over 100 microphones set up to, to get the best sound and over 10 separate cameras, and I've got the names of some of these cameras. All right, so here you go. You've got, let's see, 
the balcony rail for a wide shot. They cut a hole in the back stage in the set so you could see it from different angles, and that's many, many pointed that out. Right, so they've got a view of the audience, so you can see it from behind, from the sides, side views, rail shots. Um, let's see. The, the guy who was the director of photography spent two months, two months watching performances to figure out what are the best places to put the cameras. And they also used the Steadicam, that's what I was looking for, the Steadicam, Steadicam mm-hmm. a crane and dolly-mounted cameras for close-ups yep. and overheads. So they're getting it from all different directions, and here it is, over 100 microphones. And while it's all being filmed, the producer is sitting in a truck on the street watching all the live feeds. So it's you know, a very high-quality production. And one of the questions is, you know, did they rehearse for this? And the answer is no, they just filmed two live, because they're doing it every day. Oh, right. Yeah. You do a matinee during the day, then you do the show at night, right? And then on the weekends, I'm not sure how many they do, probably also two. So you know, they were very well rehearsed. So this was 2016, and it had started in 2015. So they did like, we had the original cast. And this is the original cast, which is well the reason why I saw the show when it came to Broward last year, but I never got to see Lynn Manuel Miranda in it. So yeah, me, I feel uh, my sentiments are identical, man. I, I'm look so looking forward to it. It's not even funny because I never got to see Lynn Miranda with the original cast, and not original cast. And I'm sure all the other casts were great too. But you know, it is it is now that people appreciate, and you know, my kids listen to the songs all the time, so I'm very familiar with the voices. But uh, the Leslie Odom. anybody because most of the songs are available on YouTube if you want to listen to the you know, the advertisements and you can't see it because you don't have uh, the video you just have the sound but um, you know I encourage people if you have an opportunity before watching it on Disney plus to try to listen to some of the songs especially the first song which is called Hamilton and then the song guns and ships is one of my favorites and another song which is uh, my shot so if you get a chance to listen to some of the songs uh, and you know that's one of the dangers if you will that people go to Also, it has to be at the quality of a Disney production. So, yep. I mean, if Disney's involved, they're going to put up the money. And then Disney bought it for $75 million. Jeez. So they can air it. And oh, you mean sure. somebody else uh, did the film and produced it, and Disney bought it for Disney Watching. So listen to this. The way they decided to do it was they, they filmed it, and they spent their $10 million, and then they okay. shopped it around. They held it right. for a while. Then they shopped it to all the different uh, movie theaters or movie studios. Uh, and decided after shopping it around that uh, they, they were not interested. They're just testing the market. And basically, Disney came to them and said, What do we need to do to make it happen? Yeah. And remember that uh, let's make the Disney connection. So, so Manny and Ed, how is Lin Manuel Miranda over the last couple of years very connected with Disney, putting aside the movie now? What are some of the connections? And I'm going to mention one of, the, one of the songs out of Hawaii. Oh my God, that's a good question. The audience is probably itching to know because I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. What do you mean? So if, if you have young daughters, the Disney animated story Moana. So Lynn Manuel wrote the song for Moana and Bonnie oh. is singing it. 
but uh, you know. So also, there is a movie we talked about England before. There's a very famous Disney remake of a of a cartoon from probably the 1950s or 60s involving chimney sweeps. So what was that movie from well, maybe two years ago? Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. So Lin Manuel was cast as, and I didn't see it, so I'm not sure what his title was. But you know, he was one of the actors in the the Mary Poppins remake, and it wasn't exactly a remake, but it was part of the Mary Poppins story. So he he wrote the main song for Moana, and then he's in the Mary Poppins. So he's been okay. developing a relationship with Disney. So it was a perfect fit when Disney came back to him and said, you know, what do we need to do in order to buy the rights to the film? You know, eventually he came around. But to tell you how generous the guy is, you know, that no, not only generous, how brilliant he is. I agree. I completely agree. The, the guy is. By the way, there are videos of him on some of the late late night talk shows where you know they, they play games. You know, you go on Jimmy Kimmel, and I don't watch too too much late night TV. Where um, I know there's one one episode where there's a buzzer, and, and, and Jimmy Kimmel hits the buzzer, and a word pops up, or, or maybe uh, you know, who does the, the Tonight Show? It's not Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, uh, uh, um, <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Yeah, uh, yeah, brilliant too. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it will come to us. Yeah. Right. So the point is that, you know, there are different versions of him at late night television where they throw out random words and he uses these random words and raps. Right. So the guy is phenomenally talented in, in all different ways, not just writing, but singing, dancing. So uh, what were we talking about? We're talking about how, uh, you know, Disney is buying it for $75 million and he is sharing a lot of that money with other members and the cast. Uh, and also with the original in the theater, where before it went to the William Rogers, the original theater where it played. So, you know, the guy is investing money in the community, and he's trying to make it easy uh, for kids from the community at large and, you know, minority communities to come see Broadway shows instead of selling the tickets at outrageous prices where a certain percentage of the tickets have to be made available to the schools. So all kinds of ways of extending and broadening Broadway, you know, to the community at large. And I think that's probably why he was very interested in having it come out in the movie. You know, uh, which because that opens it up to additional audiences who may not have had the opportunity or did not have an opportunity to, to see it in the theater. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I, I can imagine how much money the original producer, who bet who hedged the bet on him because he, he didn't have the fame he had when he when he made Hamilton. He had just gotten knocked down from in the heights. Man, whoever put up the money for this production, boy, oh boy, they must be sitting on a half a million dollar, half a billion dollars. So it is. A, they are minting money. Yes. Well, but they, you got to realize those investors also lose on a lot of shows. So it's making up for maybe 10 or 20 other shows that yeah, that tank. Didn't, didn't earn their money back. Unbelievable, man. And, and he, he, uh, I imagine that, like you said, his other playwrights were participating in some of these profits, too. I'm not playwrights, the other actors. I don't think so, no. Uh-uh. No? I think the actors get paid a, a salary or a fee. Yeah, a fee, period. Yep. He is sharing, you know, I won't call it equity rights, but he's being very generous with all the members of the cast. Okay. So even though, uh, you know, I guess Hollywood probably wouldn't have had to pay them nearly as much as he's willing to share. But, mm-hmm. the, you know, on the radio, we're subject to the FCC, and Manny told me what some of the, the costs would be if we were to not follow FCC protocols. But, uh, you know, Disney Plus is basically a PG-13 platform, right? Mm-hmm. So there are three examples of words that are on George Carlin's list, which we won't mention, <laughs> uh, that, would get you, that would get you into trouble with the FCC. So one of the questions was, would Lin-Manuel Miranda allow Disney to either, you know, Sort of bleep over, and you wouldn't want to do that because it's a musical. But uh, to change the the word, I guess with technology they're able to do it, or you know cover it up 
with, with music or with, uh, with instruments. So that was one of the questions. What's going to happen to those three words? And long story short, he agreed because he wanted to keep the PG-13 on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. So those three words are not. You have to listen to the you know the original soundtracks. You will not hear those particular words on Disney Plus for obvious reasons because it's Disney, right? All right. So let's talked about where it's been touring. It's New York. It was in San Francisco, London, and we said the two touring companies. And let me give more advice about uh, you know the way to do it in my opinion. So because the story is sold through song, is told through song and dance, and because you can miss a lot if you miss certain uh, key parts of the uh, songs. Um, I, I do encourage people to do a little bit of homework uh, because you already know what's going to happen at the end. There's no secret about what happens to Hamilton, right? Right. And it involves, uh, involves the duel. Um, and one of the songs, just to give you some examples of how rich and how intricate some of the lyrics are. So one of my favorite songs is called My Shot. And the song My Shot is early in the musical, and this is where Hamilton is meeting the three other characters who are the main protagonists, at least the male protagonists in the show. So one of them is is Lawrence, who's a good friend of his from South Carolina, John Lawrence. Another one is Hercules Mulligan, and he's a tailor. He's in the uh, Boston, New York area. And then the the third of the friends is, um, you know, uh, eventually you're going to get... What's his name? You're going to get the burr come into the picture, but they're drinking in a bar. So when the name of the song is "My Shot," what do you think they're doing in the bar when they when they first meet? Yeah, taking shots. Taking shots. Okay, so that's one interpretation of what the word double entendre. So the word "shot" in "My Shot" is taking a shot, right? Now, what other connotations? What other meanings does the word "shot" have? Oh uh, well, shooting sh- darts in the bar. Playing, playing darts or, you know, what happens at the end of the movie. So this is foreshadowing, right? How does he uh, die? Yeah, gunshots. Gunshots. So the name of the song, My Shot, and the, the, the lyric is, I'm not throwing away my shot, which has multiple meanings. So if you're dueling, right, you can either aim and try to kill somebody, right, and that's how you win a duel, or to preserve your honor, if the two duelers throw up their guns and shoot in the air, they preserve their honor because they were man enough to go to the duel, but they threw away their shot, and both of them lived to tell. So Yeah, and that was the, that's what cost Alexander right. Hamilton his life. He shot up and Bird shot at. That's exactly right. So what's another meaning of the word my shot, right, when he sings in the song with these other characters and when they're introducing each other? I'm not throwing away my shot. This is young Hamilton. He comes from the Caribbean. He's an immigrant. And this is his opportunity with the revolution and, you know, to, to, to get ahead and to advance socially to, uh, to make a name for himself. He's not throwing away his shot. Right. What he's talking about also is this is his shot, his opportunity. Right. So you're, you get to see that Hamilton is this driven guy, and it's a very intricately. Uh, again, it's one of my favorite songs in terms of the lyrics and what's happening and the way the characters get introduced in that song. Multiple things happening at the same time, and really that that is Shakespeare. That's that's the definition of good literature. Is that you know, the more times you listen to it and read it, you get different layers of meaning. Right. So that's just one of the songs, uh, which is my shot. Um, okay. So that's why I say in terms of advice to get a good idea of you know what the storyline is. So we talked about how My Shot is, I think, the fourth song, but one of the other early songs I mentioned is about the Skylar Sisters, which is the R&B song, not a rap song, but an R&B song. And some of you guys may know more than others, but um, who is one of the very prominent R&B female vocalists, and she was part of a group called Destiny's Child. Oh, um, uh, Donna Summer. Yeah, very good. What did you say, Donna Summer, right? Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce. Oh, geez, I'm too old. God. All right. That's right. Destiny's Child is more recent. Jeez. Destiny's Child. So, in a way, the the song, the 
Skyler sisters and my two daughters love to sing that song with another friend um, because it's the way that the three female characters get introduced. And I'll point out to you that in that song, which is the Skyler sisters, you know, these are not women who are flowers on the side trying to avoid attention. These are women who are speaking up, and the way they're portrayed is being ahead of their times. And there's a famous lyric from that song from the Skyler sisters about how, um, and, and, and the women who sing these songs have now moved on because you know their voices are fantastic. But there's a song, and this is Elizabeth who sings, and her sister, and there are three sisters in the musical, but the sister is, so it's Eliza, and I'm getting the name of her for a second, but uh, Angelica. So Angelica, who is the older of the three sisters, is talking about how, and they, they go through some of the words of the Declaration of Independence, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, and the way that Jefferson wrote it, that all men are created equal, so what? Uh, Angelica says is that when I meet Thomas Jefferson, I'm going to tell him to include women in the sequel. So, you know, this is, they're, they're trying to update, or at least she's pronouncing how you know, there's more to the story, include women. We're going to be part of this story, this new country that we're making. So that there's a lot going on in that song of the Skyler sisters, who are, who are girls who are not just or women who are not just going to stay on the sidelines. So a lot going on. So that's another favorite song. Um, but Guns and Ships. So, so man, do you remember the song Guns and Ships? And I mentioned how this is Lafayette. And what's interesting here is the same actor who or singer, because they're acting and they're singing, who plays, this is David Diggs, and he's a rap artist. So he plays in the first half of the movie, he plays Jefferson. But then Jefferson goes away to uh, to Paris, right? So Jefferson isn't around for Act Two. Uh, let me take it back for a second. For, for, for Act One, rather, Jefferson is in Paris, so he's Lafayette. Lafayette is the French, like, I, I confused them, put them backwards. So in the first half of the play, David Diggs is playing Lafayette, who is a French, uh, you know, a very young Frenchman who comes over and volunteers, because the French weren't officially involved in the war yet, but you've had a lot of French volunteers, including Lafayette, who come to America because they, you know, want to also do well for themselves. And in Lafayette's case, his father was killed during the. The, you guys want to tell me what the war was? So in, in the year, the right, Canadian War, war there you go, yeah. there you go. I knew you'd do it. So the, the French and Indian War, which is also referred to as the Seven Years' War, uh, the British and the Americans beat the French and beat the, the, the uh, Native population and Native Americans. So in a way, Lafayette, who is an orphan himself, comes to America. He's from a very wealthy French dynastic family, so he comes to America to help out with the revolution. In a way, it's payback because his father was killed fighting the British, and now he wants to you know, get even in a way. And he, in a way, becomes a good friend of, and I think he's in that song when we yeah. mentioned my shot. For, yeah, for sorry. France, it was a big uh, strategic move to make sure that they separated the American colonies from Great Britain. So they figured that way they would weaken Britain. And, in fact, and, and also after, have to, and also, and you also had to, the French also had to forgive the Americans for, you know, for the Indian War. Well, but that was more of the British. It was the British that really won that in North America. And then after the British were expelled from North America, they really focused more on Asia, and they, that's when they took over India after that. Oh, no, how about them? Not never said. I'm joking, and this is an expression that the sun never set on the yeah. Empire. Yeah, they. No, they the sun never set America. on the Union yeah. Jack. Yeah, India, then Hong Kong, all that stuff. All right, so I've given a lot of background about the musical, and I want to tell people if they're in front of their computer or if they get a chance, if you go online to your statutes and stories and also listen to it it's on WSQF, let me mention some of the, and I'm booting on my computer. 
some of the blog posts that we have about Hamilton. So I have a blog post which is, you know, who was Hamilton, which talks about who, who he is and what his background was, where he comes from, and what he accomplished. But then, because statutes and stories does a lot of emphasis on statutes and tells stories about the law, using the law and primary sources as a way to teach history, uh, can I ask you guys as I pull it up, what are some of the laws that we that we write about and we've talked about, uh, which which have separate blog blog entries on statutes and stories dealing with Hamilton? Come on, man! Why are you stumping me like that? You think I'm? Where, where does he I, get I, famous? In other words, so he's on the ten dollar bill. Why? Because he's a the Department of Treasury. Right. So. And also uh, war bonds. He created war bonds to pay for the war debt. took it from the states onto the federal government. And he also established pension for veterans. Yes, he paid off the veterans. He paid off the war debt. And what was the biggest source? What was his big source of revenue? Uh, import duties, wasn't it? The import duty, that's right. Yep. Damn. I'm telling you, so man. He st- the Coast Guard to collect uh, uh, import duties. The yeah, and, and that caused the later on, that caused the South to... Uh, to sidestep those uh, Coast Guard ships in order to export cotton to the Europeans as opposed to giving it to the North. Not that it had anything to do with Hamilton, but still. It was, uh, it was, uh, it created the first uh, smuggling network in the South. Well, the U.S. Navy had a pretty tight blockade. Yes. On the South. On the South. Yeah, people don't realize the Civil War broke out more over money than it did over uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. Okay, well, continue. We, 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 could, we could debate about that many. I think the Civil War was... I just had to throw, I just had to throw it in there. I just threw it in there. It's just a tangent. Okay. So just a monkey me, wrench. Back to Lynn. tell everybody that if you go to Statutes and Stories, and the beginning of Statutes and Stories, and I'm on the index, so the index lists these different laws by date. But after all the dates, I break it down by founding father and mother. So if you go down to the miscellaneous section of the index, and I'm just going to rattle through some of the posts so people get a, a feel for you know, some of the different topics that Hamilton was involved with. So we've got a post, who was Alexander Hamilton, which is an overview. And then we have a PowerPoint, which I've given at various functions, talking about his legacy, his legal legacy. And now, and this is one of my favorite parts about Hamilton, his representation, he was a lawyer also, of loyalists and property confiscation acts. So I talk about how after the war, he realizes that you have to have it. The Civil War was North fighting against South, but the American Revolution was loyalists who were loyal to the king, fighting against the rebels who were the, the patriots. So after the war, that was a Civil War. So during the Civil War, it was North-South, yeah. but the American Revolution, that was a Civil War, which was a Civil War, yeah. which are very deadly and very brutal. So the, you know, the, the winners usually extract concessions and uh, make life miserable for the losers. And you know, the good news is that the American Civil War, the North tried to build up the South. And the question was, what's going to happen after the American Revolution? And the Loyalists were not very sympathetic to the, I'm sorry, the, the Patriots were not very sympathetic to the Loyalists. But Hamilton took the view that if you want to rebuild the country uh, and if you want to respect rights and respect property, and there was discrimination, they weren't allowing Loyalists to, to vote. They weren't allowing Loyalists. My to God, it needed three, it needed three uh, constitutional amendments. These people wouldn't give up even after they lost. Were there any uh, statutes put up to Loyalists? So in this post, which I did about a year and a half ago, and the name of the post is Hamilton's Representation of Loyalists, Property Confiscation Acts, and Judicial Review. So there were laws that would confiscate the property of Loyalists. 
there were laws that would uh, prevent them from having jobs, uh, that would prevent them from doing all kinds of things. And he realized that this isn't right. And, you know, as a new lawyer, he needs to make money. So part of it was he's going to make money from representing the loyalists, get their property back to prevent confiscation. But he realizes, too, that, you know, in this new country, we need to set an example. We need to rebuild. And the way to rebuild is reconciliation. So he was all about reconciliation. And one of the cases that he, and I tell the story in that post, uh, basically is the underpinning for the concept of judicial review, which is that if a state, and here it was New York, if a state is passing a law which violates the the supremacy in the hierarchy, violates the federal constitution or a treaty, then the state law can be struck down by a federal court for violating federal law or, in the case of a treaty, a federal law which is a, a treaty. Right, so we had, we had adopted, and here I'll throw out the third question, what was the name of the statute? And, and, and Manny, just think of the name of the city at this time, which was you know, one of the most important European capitals. So what, what was the, the treaty that ended the, the Revolutionary War? The Treaty of Paris. Treaty of Paris. So 1783 gave certain rights to loyalists that they could come back if they wanted. They could reclaim their estate, etc. Right. So the problem was that New York and other states were not abiding by and respecting the rights of loyalists. So that's where Hamilton comes in. So I spoke about that too much, but people can read about it. We've got a post about Hamilton and the abolition of slavery. So he was a New York abolitionist. He you know, had to make compromises because at the Constitutional Convention, the, the South was not going to play ball. Right? But Hamilton in the state of New York was very prominent trying to outlaw and, and succeeding and getting rid of slavery in New York. That used to be a problem. New York, you know, when they built uh, Central Park, and when I say they built it, when they cleared Central Park, lo and behold, what did they find? There were slaves that used to live in Central Park. Right? So they've got a post about Hamilton and the abolition of slavery, which is one of the themes in the musical. Um, he created the Coast Guard, so we've got a post about the Coast Guard. We've got a post about how Hamilton created the Mint as the first Treasury Secretary. So we, I think we did that one night. We've got a post about Hamilton's first report on the public credit. So one of the, you know, the economic, uh, you know, when, when people study what Hamilton's financial plan was, one of the sources you can look at is his report that he gave to Congress about restoring public credit. And that I know that's, uh, you know, that's, that's yeah, an area of yours. Yeah, and that was important because uh, in 1803, George. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was able to buy the Louisiana Territory because the, the U.S. government had the credit to get the cash to pay Napoleon, and that was due to the good work of Alexander Hamilton as the first Secretary of Treasury. And if you have a government that is not creditworthy and people don't respect the government and aren't willing to take the currency, that's a big problem. But that's one of the reasons we talked about how Britain was able to win some of these early wars is because they could raise capital. So we've got a post about Hamilton's report on the public credit, which is very influential in the head of its time. And as the Secretary of Treasury, he also wrote a report on manufacturers, which I encourage people not to display it because the musical can only do so much. But if you wanted to read about his important report on manufacturers, where he understood, having worked with Washington during the war, that we were totally dependent upon French armaments and supplies from France and Europe. And he wanted to say, you know, it's only a matter of time before we're going to be able to manufacture and produce, you know, our own uh, stores instead of just relying upon the British and doing really agriculture. So... There's all kinds of good work that you can read about Hamilton's internal improvements. He wanted to, and I talked about Clay's American system, he wanted to have roads and canals and, and put in place a system of, of a strong, unified country. He also got, let's see, a post about Hamilton's report on the marine hospitals and the yellow fever epidemic of the 1790s. So Hamilton was agreeing that we need to take care of public health and the whiskey tax. And if you guys want to talk about the whiskey tax real quick. Uh, it was a rebellion out in western Pennsylvania, right? That's right. Whiskey Rebellion. 
So be careful when you decide to tax somebody's whiskey, but that was one of the sources of revenue he needed, in addition to the tariffs, to pay off the, the bonds and the war debt, And because uh, you don't want to just have one source of, of income. You need to have a diversified portfolio. So we've got a post talking about the whiskey tax, and then that led to you know, the Whiskey Rebellion, which Hamilton and Washington head to Western Pennsylvania to put down the rebellion. And I'd like to point out that's the, the first time that you, and the last time that you have a president marching with troops, leading them into battle. But uh, you know, when they arrived in Western Pennsylvania with uh, you know, 13,000 troops, I think it was from several state militias, uh, quickly the whiskey rebellion disappeared. This, they knew they were not going to stand a chance. So some of them got arrested, and then Washington pardoned them. So if you wanted to read about the whiskey tax and that internal uh, revenue tax, which was the first of its kind in America, and then the Residence Act. And when we did the NOVA presentation, the Residence Act, do either of you guys want to talk about what the Residence Act is and the capital? I have no idea. Ed, Ed you know, Ed can't believe he doesn't have any idea either. I'm deferring to Manny. Ah, okay. So, they've been, you guys have yeah. set me up. Adam's back on asking questions today. What's up with him, man? Right, so the, and I'm, I'm trying to go to the website, but you're right. I'll, I'll limit the questions, but I'll, I'll give hints. So, you know, today, where is the federal capital? And before you answer, where was the federal capital in 17, 1780s? Where was it? I think it was in New York, but they cut a deal to Madison uh, and uh, Jefferson with Hamilton. Ham, they, Hamilton agreed to support putting the capital in the South, in the Potomac. In return, uh, Jefferson and Madison supported having uh, the federal government take on the tax of the states from the war, thereby establishing good credit. And because that had been rejected by Congress, and uh, but this deal allowed it to go through. There you go. So I, I t- the title of this post is Hamilton's Grand Compromise, the Residence Act. So in the 1780s, Congress actually moved around a couple different places, but basically they were residing, is what they call it. Congress was residing in New York in the 1780s, and as part of the big deal, the compromise, and the song and the musical is called The Room Where It Happened. And by the way, there's a book out, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, pass. Okay. Well, Bolton purposely chose that name, The Room Where It Happened. He's referring to the song and to this story about that. It was so tacky, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, Total Miss You, that's a great title for a good book. You know, I mean, he, he wasted it. But he gets copyrights for that, right? It's, no one else can write a book with that title, correct? I think, I think it's probably a fair use. That's a good question. Yeah. What, whether or not uh, Miranda will go after him. But it's, it's a phrase. You know, it's not something that Miranda meant that that's the room where it happened. And that song talks about that compromise that was reached. Where Hamilton is desperate, he needs, he's not getting support from the Democrat Republicans. In other words, the emerging Jefferson Madisonian supporters. Who and what it turned out, some of the Southern states already paid off their war debts, whereas the Northern states, where more of the battles were taking place in New York, just remember New York was controlled by the British basically the entire war. Uh, in Massachusetts, so the North had more debt and had more damage. Although South Carolina is an example of a state that was decimated during the war. But Virginia paid off, and some of the other states paid off a lot of their debt. And they make the point in the musical that it was easier for the South to pay off the debt because they're not paying their employees. In other words, the slaves are working for free, obviously, whereas in the North, uh, you know, there are bigger debts that have to be paid off. So this big compromise was that uh, the capital will move from New York 
to Virginia, and Virginia dedicated the land, and Maryland threw up the land, and that's where Washington, D.C. is based, having been donated by Virginia and by Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. So the capital moves south, and as, as you know, part of that master compromise in the room where it happens, how the sausage gets made, I think that's one of the lyrics in the song, you know, how the game is played, how the sausage gets made, and I should point out that when you, it's beautiful, but the words that you hear in these songs and the rhymes and the slant rhymes and the, the different meanings. So if you want to read more detail about uh, the, the, what's it called, the Residence Act, uh, and that's talking about this grand compromise that was reached. We've also got posts about the Carriage Act, and very few people are familiar with the Carriage Act, but uh, this is a case that goes to the U.S. Supreme Court, and it involves testing the constitutionality of a statute, and it also involves a tax. And that's a case where Hamilton, he was in the cabinet for a couple of years, and this is not in the musical, and after he retires from the cabinet, he goes into the private practice as a lawyer, and they come knocking on his door, the attorney general who replaces him and says, you know, this, this act that was passed is now being challenged, and will you help us defend it in the Supreme Court? And his answer was, of course. So Hamilton, in the case of Hilton versus U.S., and spelled differently, it's H-L-Y, H-Y-L, sorry, H-Y-L-T-O-N, Hilton versus United States. So we talk about in this blog post about that case defending the Carriage Act. Um, and then I have a three blog posts, and you guys are experts on this, the People versus Levi Weeks. Anyone want to talk about the People versus Levi Weeks? Well, that was the famous uh, murder that... Uh... There, uh, that's all I remember. That there was a. It was. Uh, I don't know what the legal quagmire was. Uh, it, uh, the case definitely lacked evidence. But other than that, please tell us. Ed, you want to go into some more detail about people versus Levi Weiss? And it's a song in the musical. And this is after the war. Hamilton goes into legal practice before he becomes the Secretary of Treasury, and he lines up with. And I refer to it as the first legal dream team. You have Hamilton and Burr representing the defendant, and along with them is a third attorney, Brock Holtz Livingston, who becomes a U.S. Supreme Court justice later on. So these three lawyers, who are extremely prominent lawyers, represent a criminal defendant, his name was Levi Weeks, in a murder trial which made headlines all around the country. I've got newspaper articles from that time period that talking about this Manhattan well murder, is what they called it, because the body of the woman who was going to get married, her name was Elma Sands, is found in a will, and the fiancé is Levi Weeks, and he gets charged with murder. And I think he was being railroaded, right? So it is a very interesting story. So what I'm going to tell people to do, if you want to learn more about the story of Levi Weeks, go to statutesandstories.com, and it is mentioned in passing in, I think it's the first song after intermission, when they're okay. talking about building the country, and they're talking about, um, you know, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm trying not to sing the song because I don't want to put butcher. All right, so after Levi Weeks, we've got some more posts about Jay's Treaty, which is not really discussed much in the, in the musical, but uh, Jay's Treaty is after the Revolutionary War. This is in the 1795-1796 time frame. And the issue was we fought the Revolutionary War in the 1770s and in 1783. But 10 years later, we're starting to have commercial problems with Britain. And the British didn't you know, remove themselves from some of the forts in the northwest and the, in the area around the Great Lakes. And they yeah, had Detroit, Detroit. They, had to be, they had to be pushed out. They just stayed there. The, the British. And there were grievances and there were issues having to do with the discrimination against the British loyalists and also having to do with the turning of slaves. There were a bunch of unresolved issues. The British didn't leave. And it took the Jays Treaty, which is very, very controversial, for the British to finally leave that part of the American territory. So we've got a blog post about the Jays Treaty. 
uh, I encourage people to really pay close attention because it's a beautiful song. It's not a rap song. It's a, uh, it's, a it's almost a ballad, and it's a going away song. It's a, it's a love song in a way where Washington is sending his farewell, and he announces to Hamilton that he's going to be. So here, help me out, guys. How many terms does Washington do famously? Two. Right? Hamilton apparently wanted Washington to stay for a third term because as long as Washington is in power, you know, Hamilton is very close to Washington. And Hamilton realizes that if Washington steps down, you know, working in the wings is Jefferson. And Jefferson uh, eventually does run against Adams and beats Adams. We spent an hour talking about the revolution of 1800, which was the election of 1800, right? So the song in the musical about the farewell address is, is a beautifully poetic song. Um, so. And in fact, something else I neglected to point out is, in addition to the Broadway version of the musical and the songs, the 46 songs on the official track, they also made, and I don't know what they call it, but you know, a, an alternative version of the songs, where Lin-Manuel invited some of his favorite musicians to do alternative versions of the songs. So to have rock musicians and you know other rappers and other singers, uh, you know do their own versions of a lot of the songs. And some of the, you know, these alternative versions are equally good, but very different. So for this song, and I'll be careful because this is a conservative radio station, uh. imagine, right? But just think it through, and you know, maybe they'll do a version, who knows, with the future presidents from a different party. But they did a version of the song where instead of having the character who plays George Washington read the farewell address, they have Obama read part of the farewell address in the song. Just to show you that you know, the tentacles and the, the, the broad outreach that's taken place with this musical, where all kinds of different musicians and personalities have done alternative versions of the song. So it's a conversation, and it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful conversation that's taken place. All right, so those are some of the songs. Now, what else can we talk about the musical, guys? What else do you want to know? Ask me some questions. Well, his affair, his uh, his affair with the the famous sisters, where he gets busted. Alexander Hamill gets busted, you know, with his hands in the cookie jar. And Burr uses that to ruin his political Hamilton's political career, which probably is the reason why they they eventually duel. So not exactly the reason. There are all kinds of reasons. Well, yeah, the hatred went way back, but still. That's right. So Manny's making a good point, which is you know, there are, any good story, right? Any good drama, any, any good literature. It's it's going to have you know the plot isn't going to be in a straight line. You're going to have uh, good parts and you're going to have uh, sad parts, you know, exciting moments and tragic moments. So um, you know one of the reasons why the female part who plays his wife, which is uh, Eliza, um, you know it, it's a wonderful story about how the two of them fall in love. Maybe we'll spend a couple minutes on that. But uh, towards the end of the story, you know Hamilton as the Secretary of Treasury. Give uh, give uh, uh, Ed Vidal some ideas. You know his anniversary is coming. Yeah, but he, he does have an adulterous affair, and when he gets discovered and gets threatened to be revealed, it tells you about Hamilton. What does he do when it's Monroe, interestingly, and another congressman that come marching into Hamilton's office and accuse him because they think that he's using the federal government's money to pay the bribes because he's, he's being, what the word for it, when he's, started, started. Yeah, he's, being, he's being blackmailed by the husband of the woman that he's sleeping with, that he's having the affair with. And as it turns out, Hamilton's keeping very accurate records, and he's paying the money to extortion with his own money. He's not using uh -huh. So he's able to demonstrate and prove that, no, you know, it is true. I was having an affair, right? Um, but then it was probably a 
there's probably machinations or you know, an effort by the husband and wife to, to lure him into an entrapment trap him. And then once it started, you know, he kept paying the, 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 the extorted money. But the point is that they accused him of stealing federal money, right, and stealing from the government. And as it turns out, no, he wasn't stealing. So what does he do uh, when they come after him? And the answer is he winds up publishing. They say they'll keep it quiet when he vindicates and proves that he's not. You know, he's got good records of federal money. He's got ac- ac- excellent accounts. But uh, then when it's press, what does he do? And the answer is he publishes a very detailed pamphlet, which is printed all over the country, explaining that, yes, this is what happened. I admit that it happened, but I'm an, a man of integrity and honesty, and all the funds were properly accounted. some things, yes. yes. Right, so he, so he picks up his pen, and that's part of the story of Hamilton. The guy is a writer, and he's interested in doing the right thing, at least when it comes to building the country, although he could have that part of infidelity. But, uh, you know, he, he ruins his political career by coming out. You know, some might have denied, but he comes out, admits, and then he explains what happened. And, uh, and he proves that it was all done legally in terms of the finances. Mm-hmm. But that's the end of his political career in terms of getting elected to higher office. Well, you know what? That's the end of the story. And now, now you all can listen to end the show with five minutes of In the Heights. And this is the end of the Statues and Stories, and the audience will have to go to the see the movie to listen to that music. But here on The Concrete Conservative, we'll provide the X Factor in his fame, the, the song 96,000. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. Thank you all. Good night. Good night. Good night. Uh, when Usnavi, uh, the bodega owner, finds out someone in the neighborhood has won $96,000. And so uh, the song is about all of uh, all of these people wondering what they would do uh, if they were the winners of, of that amount. And so, uh, so enjoy. World premiere video. $96,000. Yeah. 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 Everybody here It's a weekend where we can breathe Take it easy 
bitch, y'all are freaks. Yo, I'm just saying. It's silly when we get into these crazy hypotheticals. You really want some bread? Then go ahead, create a set of goals and cross them off the list as you pursue them. And with those 96, I know precisely what I'm doing. What you doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? It takes most of that cash just to save my ass from financial ruin. Sonny can keep the coffee brewing. I'll spend a few on you because the only room with the view is a room with you in it. And I could keep up well like Claudia. The rest of it just fly me down to Puerto Plata. I'll make the best of it. You really love this business? No. Tough Merry Christmas. You're now the youngest tycoon in Washington. Yo, we're 96,000. I finally fixed housing. Give the body more computers with wireless web browsing. Your kids are living without a good education. Change the station. Teach them about gentrification. The rate escalating. What? The rich are penetrating. What? We pay our corporations when we should be demonstrating. What, what about immigration? What? Politicians be hating. What? Racism in this nation gone from latent to blatant. <gasps> I'll catch my ticket and pick it. Invest in protest. Never lose my focus till the city takes notice. And you know this man? I'm never sleep because the ghetto has a million promises for me to keep. You are so cute. I was just thinking off the top of my head. 96K, go. If I were-